morning, I just, you know, we've been looking at, at marriage uh, to help us through the Old Testament. And this morning, if you could, turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. And uh, we're going to be looking, and we're going to look at a guy named Abraham, Abram, or, which later changed his name to Abraham, and a girl named Sarai, who was later, her name was changed to Sarah. For those of you who are not married yet, what do you want in your marriage? That's the question I have. What do you want in your marriage? And if you are married, for those that are married, if you could rewind and, and, and look back at those pre-marriage days, what do you think that you would do maybe differently? You see, this morning I think about, I think about the story when, you know, you fall in love. How I many you know, you remember when you fell in love with your mate? Come on. In South Louisiana, you know, we get the free songs. I mean, when you saw her, you go, oh, my gosh. Whoosha. You got the free songs. You know, when you saw him and he just looked at you with those eyes and you just went, whoo. You know, and in marriage, sometimes we get massively loved and we, we live on our free songs or our feelings. We just love that tingly, wiggly feeling that it gives us when we're in love. I mean, you're talking about, you remember those days? Some of you go, that's so far, Pastor, I don't remember. Hey, no tingle, wingly in me. But see, we get in love and we assume that's the way it's always going to be. Don't you remember that? Man, it's always going to be like this. And, you know, and that follow you all the way to that blissful day that you go and meet the Lord. That's the way you would always feel. But one day, you, you know, you think, oh, I have that perfect little house with the picket fence and the dog and no cats. Come on, anybody give me an amen on that one? Come on, all right. Y'all know how I feel about cats. But I love my wife and my daughter, and we do have a cat. He knows I don't like him. It's a mutual feeling. He doesn't visit me. I don't visit him. If he's on my side of the bed, I go get the people that own him, my wife and my daughter, and say, get your cat off my bed. Anyway, that's enough about my cat. Their cat. See, it's working on me. All right. And so what happened is, you know, you, you know, you think, well, you know, chances are, you know, you, you, you think, man, I'm going to have a couple of kids. We're going to have a boy first, and then we're going to have a girl, and it's just going to work out. Just, it's just perfect. You have a, you're gonna, I'm going to have a little great career. I'm going to travel some. And not only that, you know, you, you know as we grow older, and it's just going to follow us. The free songs will follow us all the way in our marriage. How you remember those days? Come on. Y'all are a quiet crowd. Is this a funeral home or a church? You see, this morning, see, if you fast forward maybe five years into your marriage or eight years or 12 years or 17 or 29 or 34, if someone asks you at this point, at this point, where you're at right now in your marriage, what would you want them to know about your marriage? I think some of you would say, we're just trying to stay married. Others of you, you know what? We're just trying to pay the bills. Others, sometimes we're just trying to keep our children out of jail. You know, it's interesting how your expectations don't always line up with reality. Isn't it true? Because we have this perception, that's what it's going to be like. And see, I know this, but if you do this, someone midway through their marriage relationship, they end up saying stuff like this. If I just never thought it'd ever be this way and some people think you know it's actually better than it ever was or it's really bad or or you know or you're we're just barely trying it's just barely trying to we're trying to barely make it you know I, I know that when I look back at when Tracy and I you know 
I had the free songs, and she's not from South Louisiana. She's from the Seattle area. She didn't have the free songs. She had more than a feeling. Anyway, just <laughs> all you Boston fans. Anyway, and, uh, it, it, you know, and it's like I remember, you know, we started dating. And I remember the first little thing I gave her. It was, it was a monkey, and, and name, his name was Emily. And, uh, and we just, I used to play on that monkey, and I said, this is the last girl you'll ever have you married to me. And she thought, I cursed her. She thought I cursed her. Because if you know our story, is that true? And, and the first thing she ever gave me was, didn't you give me like a little stuffed animal one time? No, you never gave me any stuffed animal. She just, she gave me a good kiss. Anyway, just. But I, I, I remember, you know, it's like, man, we, we get married. I mean, our marriage was like quick. That's before cell phones. We didn't get to see each other for almost a, a three weeks, a month before we actually Got to plan, the, Tracy planned her entire wedding with her mama and her relatives in less than 10 days. Okay? I came in like six days before we got married. And I remember we got married. And it was incredible. We just had a great time. We went to Canada for, uh, uh, for our honeymoon. And we just talked. And, and we loved each other. We talked. We did a whole lot of loving each other. But anyway, because we waited for each other. But I remember as, as we got, and we thought, man, I'm just going to be in the ministry. God's going to use us. We worked in the streets all across America. I've lived, Tracy and I have been in almost every major city in America. We've lived in different places. And I remember we, we, we lived in this house in the inner city of Tacoma, Washington. And we shared it with a bunch of people. And we actually did. We had people living in the house when we first got married. And they, they used our dishes. And they broke them. And Tracy let me know they broke our dishes. And... And I can remember just thinking about children, and I, my plan was this, five years. Then she started wearing on me, you know, baby, it'd just be nice to have. I went, three years. A year later, we had Zach. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, and I remember going to the hospital and being there and, and, and just holding him. We're just, I mean, just holding him and thinking, wow, this is incredible, and I remember Tracy, you know, she was so, she was, you know, it was her first baby, and we were just so excited, and he actually, his first bedroom was a closet in our apartment, I promise. It was a big closet, but anyway, and uh, I just remember those moments, and we started dreaming, and I asked her for a baby. I said, let's have a baby. I want him to be close, like me and my brother, and maybe I'll have another boy, and she's like, she was fine with another boy. And we had our second son, Andrew, and then we prayed and we thought maybe God will give us a girl and then we had Matt and then we had another opportunity and I go the Lord I feel like the Lord's telling me it's a girl it was a boy (laughs) then we had a long period about eight years and something came over us and we she got pregnant I don't know how it happened but it happened And I remember, I mean, it's like, God, how does this happen? You know, somebody told me one time, you need a TV, Pastor, anyway. just. And I thought, this is the Lord. We're going to have Luke. <laughs> and then my wife, you know, we had Luke because he was kind of far apart. She, she'd say like, something like this. She'd go, I don't want him to be weird and, like, be alone. Because, you know, sometimes kids are alone. They get weird. And we just want him to have a playmate. And I really struggled that, not long, but anyway. And then finally, 
we go to see what it is. And she's like, I don't want to know. And I said, I want to know. And she goes, I don't want to know. I want to know. I said, well, I'm telling you, I want to find out. No, you're not. Don't do that. But I kind of forced my hand. You ever force your hand, men? I said, we're doing it. Oh, Baba. And I never forget when they're, they're doing the ultrasound thing, whatever it's called. It's not that. What is that what it's? It's ultrasound? Okay. I, I don't know, man. I'm still slow at this stuff. And, and they look, and the, they goes, it's, you want to know what it is? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, oh. And I go, yeah, yeah, tell me. They can tell me, but they don't have to. Oh, that's not, no. And I remember they go, it's a girl. And I remember my wife, she goes, that's not good. And she goes, are you sure? And he goes, yeah, we're about 95% sure. And my wife goes, you don't understand. That's not good enough for me. <laughs> and they went back and they looked and they goes, we're 99% sure it's a little girl. And the sweetest little tear I've ever seen my wife do just went right down her face. It wasn't like, ah! it was just, it was a sweet moment. And, you know, I, I just think if you're, you're like many people, you might say, well, we're just, we're just trying to stay married. But, you know, many of you are go- looking back in life and you're going, my marriage is nothing like a plan. How many of you can say that? You see, and see, I, I believe that, you know, it's like we're just trying to do these things. Some of you are just going to think, well, this time I thought, you know, like maybe some of you aren't married. You go, by this time I thought I would be married. And, you know, I, I know for all of us is that you have to leave your, you know, you, some of you are going to think, well, I'm married and I thought my marriage would be a little bit different than it is. And I believe that this, this story, I believe this story right here with Abraham and Sarah will speak to you really, I believe this, really profound in an incredible way. I believe that this morning. And so let's go to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 2, and let's see what it says. And and just follow with me. And it says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. And I like this. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. You see, God says you're going to have you're going to have to leave this comfort zone, and you're going to have to go to another place. And God will speak to many of you, saying, "You know what? I, I want to do something in your life, but you're going to have to trust me. Just trust me." And He'll call you to that unknown place. It's called the unknown zone. Have you ever been there? The unknown zone. You're trusting God. You're going, man, I don't, I don't know where I'm at, but, but I believe this. is that, You know, if you leave your comfort zone with me, for me, by faith, into my blessings, just watch what I'll do. How many of you want the blessings of God? Four people, good. The rest of you will pray a spirit of poverty over you. No, no. How many of you want the blessings of God? Come on, we need a little church participation. Thank you. We all want that blessing that God has. And see, if you look in the New Testament, you're going to see in Hebrews eleven eight, and I'll just read it, that it was characterized, it said this about Abraham, by faith. It said, by faith, Hebrews eleven eight, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though, I like this, this is where we are, some, even though he did not know where he was going. You ever feel that way? I just don't know where we're going. 
Where are we going in this marriage? Where are we going with these children? Where am I going in this job? Where am I going in my career? Where am I going? Where am I going? But God, I'm trusting you, but I just don't know where I'm going. See, by faith, he followed the voice of God. Can you imagine if you, if, you know, you come home, your wife, and you said, look, baby, I've been talking to God, and he's been talking back to me, and guess what? God's really telling us we've got to move. And she might say something like, well, I ain't going to move. Mama lives here. Aunt Tut lives down the road. Papa's still alive. No. But she looked, the Bible says she looked at Abraham, and this is what she said, but she didn't because she believed he was a man of faith. And let me just say this. Men, God wants you to be a man of God and a man of faith. And if you walk with God and hear God's voice and you look at your wife that brings security in your life, say, God has spoken to me. And if she knows you have a relationship with God, she'll follow you anywhere. I promise you, that woman right there, this little woman, that beautiful woman, my bride, has followed me places where she didn't, Nestle, I didn't know what I was doing. Can I be honest with you? I just know God had told me things. And sometimes he would speak to her before he told me to prepare her. Amen? I don't need to go revisit that. I did that last week. But I just believe that she's going, you know what, think about it. He could call it, you know what, think about it. We're moving, baby. You know, he couldn't just call ahead and get a realtor and say, hey, we're coming in in, into Canaan. And uh, I need a three-bedroom house, two baths, and and that's what I want. He couldn't call ahead. He had to load his furniture on camels. Can you imagine that? Well, that couch, it just won't fit, you know. Get one of them double-humped ones, and we can tie that thing around me. I believe this. Listen to me. God will often call you into a life of blessing, and the only road there is the road of faith. God will do that. See, God will rarely give you the details. You ever notice that? First thing you need to realize is this. You may not be able to handle the details. If he gives them to you, you might not be able to handle them. I knew, if you knew everything that was going to happen, you may not choose to obey. God may also say, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to give you the details because if you have the details, then you, and you know what, can I tell you something? But if you had the details, you might not do it in faith because you already knew. But the Bible says, what is the Bible? Without faith, what? Come on, help me preach this morning. Without faith, it's what? Come on, help me out. Without faith, it's what? See, Abraham and Sarah get this promise, and you're going, you're going to be a great nation. In other words, we're going to give you lots and lots and lots of kids and grandkids. You're going to be, a, be massively blessed with children and descendants, but first, you have to go. In the New Testament, they are characterized as being a couple of faith. But if you look at their lives very carefully, you're, gonna, you're going to find out they didn't always have faith. And that's what I love about this story. That's what I love. It's like God gives us great stories so we can look at the people's lives and go, God can use that person? They, do you realize what they did? And we're going to see some stuff here this morning that may shock you. You see, I often, you know, I just want to say this. You say, you're going to find out you, they didn't always have faith, and you know, which blesses me. It blesses me. Because, you know, I, I, you know I, I often waver in my own faith. Is that okay to confess that? 
I waver in my own faith. But, but yet I find comfort that I can, still care, I can still be characterized as a man of God. I find comfort in that. You see, we're going to see Abraham mess up and, and, and falter in his faith. Then we're going to see his wife mess up, and she's going to falter in her faith. Then we're going to watch, and as they both mess up, and they falter in their faith together in their marriage. You see, the good, here we go. The good news is this. Even when you are faithless, God always remains faithful. And the same will be true in our lives. It's true in our lives. Even though that we get to know the, because what happens, even though you, you do that, even though we can get to know the goodness and the kindness and the love and the faithfulness of God, sometimes we can be faithless. What typically happens in life isn't always planned. It's just not planned. I would have loved for God to give me instructions, go, hey, you know, such and such and such. And Josh and Lindsay probably like to know the same thing too. At a certain age, you know, when, Bubba, when you're so and so, and so this is going to happen, you're going to fight cancer and you're going to go through this and this is what's going to happen in your life. I could have planned it. You know, or Joel and, and Josh and Lindsay, they could have said, Joel's going to have this and this. And so they could have been planned it. You understand me? But God sends things sometimes in our lives that aren't, aren't planned by us. And then what does that happen? What's that have to, have to happen? We've got to learn by walk by faith, even if we don't feel like it. Even if we don't like it. Thank you for all those amens. Y'all can just feel the love, you know. Rather than being strengthened in our faith, sometimes we falter in our faith. We don't want to do it, but what? But that is what we did, and that is, that is what we're going to do if we're not careful. And so I want to give you three things this morning. If you're taking notes, I really encourage you to write these three things in marriage that happen when life doesn't go as planned. Because it's going to happen. Things are going to happen. How many of you know trouble happens? Trouble. I like that little commercial, little dog, trouble. Anyway, number one, we can fall victim. Here's one we all love, to fear. To fear. That is what Abram did when there was a famine in the land. The economy tanked, and what he did, he moved his family. He moved Sarah and his servants to Egypt, but they ran, he ran into some fear, but he made some sinful decisions based out of fear. Look with me in verse 11 and through 13 in chapter 12. And what happens, they go, to, they go to Egypt. As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Arab... Slow down, I'm getting excited, okay? Is that all right? Abram said to his wife, Sarai, look, you're a smoking hot chick. No, he says, you're very beautiful. In other words, that's, got, that's the Bible. She was a Bible babe, okay? And he's like, you're, you're, baby, you're, you're a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is, this is his wife. Let's kill him. Then we can have her. So, so, so please tell them that you are my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. And so, you know, know, now, he may be going like, you know, what is this? During this time, if you entered, what's this all about, Pastor? If you entered into an enemy's or a place that you weren't familiar with or a new region in those days, if they saw your wife and they thought she was beautiful and they wanted you, they would kill you. 
to have your wife. This is what they would do. And so he's in this dilemma. And so what's, what's interesting in this story, what did God promise him? He said he would be a daddy. He'd be the father of many nations. You're going to have kids, which according to my biology class that I went through in the 10th grade the first time, (laughs) you have to have a living man and a living woman to have a baby. (laughs) I mean, that's what biology says. But what happens is here he is. All of a sudden he's afraid he's going to die. Which tells us at this moment he was doubting the promise of God. And see, by fear, he made a sinful decision and said, let's lie. Because I really don't trust God to do what he said he was going to do. Sadly, that's what happens to many of us sometimes in our lives. We go day to day and a situation happens where we don't expect it. And we kind of, so many people are afraid and, 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 and have taken the track. Of, of, of taken up, been off, been knocked off the track of the blessings of God for their lives by fear. See, I don't know how many people today are not getting married because of fear. You know, it, it kind of goes, they're postponing marriage and they're, they're not entering into the blessings of marriage because they walk in fear. Well, what if he cheats? What if, what if he, she nags? What if we get divorced? What, what, if, what, if we, what if we can't have kids? Or, you know, rather than living by faith, suddenly we live by fear and we see it in marriages, in marriages all the time. People are walking by fear. God's calling us to tithe. But what if we struggle with finances? How are we going to do it? God's calling us to be generous. Well, what if I lose my job? Well, God, well, or, or God's calling one of us to stay home to raise the kids. And you know, how are we going to make it financially? Or, or God's calling us to have a new business, a new ministry. God's calling us to, you know, to step out and have a new life group. But we're going, what if? What if? What if? What if? What if? I'm trying, Miss Jean. Instead of building one another in our marriages with mutual increasing faith, can I tell you something what we do? We so often tear each other down by mutual, let me just say what it is, increasing fear. What if? What if? I can't tell you how many times in marriage we, in my marriage, let me just say, Tracy and I have had to talk each other out of fear and talk each other in faith. What do you mean, Pastor Baba? What do you mean? How, how did you, you got to change your language. You got to change your language from fear. Well, what if, what if, what if usually doesn't happen? And if it does, guess what? Trust God. Thank you for all those wonderful amens. I was waiting for handkerchiefs to fly and people to go, yes, preach it, my pastor. Anyway, just, Miss Jean, you tried. I know you did. I'm convinced that there are many people that God has spoken to and God has prompted, but out of fear, they're not obeying the direction of God. Thanks for all those amens. In marriage, there's so much fear talk. Instead of faith talk, and we learn, we have to learn to speak faith. Gotta learn to speak faith. Hello to each other. Instead of fear. Come here, Zach. Come here, come here. My firstborn, all right? 
I can remember. Come here. He's scared. He knows I am. He knows me. There's moments, I promise you, he's had doubts in his life. Claire, has he? Not many. But you're a good wife. She's going to go, yeah. But there's times I've had to look at him, son, you can do it. You can make it. It's going to be okay. It's fine. Thank you, son. I appreciate it. See, it wasn't that bad. Let's wait for the next time. Anyway. Because I remember when Pastor Josh, come here, Pastor Josh. As they've had to walk through. Did y'all hear faith on Josh this morning? Did you hear faith on him? Why? You know why? Josh, did you have fear? Did you have doubts? But every time I'd call him and say, Pastor Josh, how are you doing? How are you doing? I didn't ask for Joel first. He can tell you that. How are you doing? How's Lindsay? And he goes, Pastor Bobby, she's good. She's fine. Because you know what? Thank you, man of God. Come on, y'all give it up for Pastor Josh and Lindsay. Because sometimes... Can I just be honest? Sometimes we waver. Sometimes we doubt. Sometimes we allow fear. And see, the second point is when life isn't going as we plan, we often get ahead of God. Woo! You ever get ahead of God? God told us we're going to have kids, but it's not happening, babe. Sarah, God said, I mean, come on, girl, get with it. I'm doing all I can. Don't you know I'm tired of waiting on you? Come on. Let's make something happen. I mean, you know, I'm going to. And so what happens is this is what they do. Sarah gets to this point. She goes, I'm going to force it. I'm going to manipulate it. I'm going to make this. I'm going to bring some actions because God ain't doing nothing. I'm going to do something. Because I like, I don't like God's timing. I thought we'd have it now. That's what Sarah did. And Abram messed up, and then his wife messed up. Look with me in in Genesis chapter 16. Look what it says. I lost my, I'm going to go there. Chapter 16, verse 1 and 2. Listen, now Sarah, Sarah, Abram's wife, had been able to, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abraham, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram said, no way, honey. Agreed with Sarah's proposal. Now, you think about that. We're supposed to have kids. It's a big problem. You see, back in that culture, if you had, if you were barren, what you would do is that, and you would have a maidservant, and she would get pregnant, you would stand over her as she's giving birth, and you would put your legs over her, and they say that you gave birth to that baby. Okay, imagine the woman on the other side. Please get up. But Paul's there. Some guys, are, and I know what some of you guys are thinking. Wow, she told him to sleep with her? Man, that's... That's kind of cool. That's not cool. I think of her name, Hagar. It can't be good. It can mean steroids, weightlifter, hair under the pits. 
Nasty Hagar. I'm just saying, you know, anyway, I'm just saying that. So she says this, go sleep with my maidservant. And then notice what she says, help me out. Help me. Say it with me. Say help me out. Come on, say it with me. Say help me out. Perhaps I can build a family with her. What did she not say? What didn't she say? I'll tell you what she didn't say. She didn't say, I love when I come to church here. And I get up here, y'all ask so, so many great questions. Thank you. And so she didn't say, God can do this. God can bring about his promises. She says, I can take control and make this baby happen. God is not doing it. Therefore, I'm going to get ahead of God and do my own thing. And guess what? Enforce it. And you read the, the whole story. Abram gives in. And what does Sarah have? She has him a son. And it gets, if you read the rest of it, and it gets nasty. I'm talking cat fight women. (laughs) Jealousy, years and years of tormenting each other, doing stuff, because they tried to force something before God was willing to do it. It wasn't God's will. It was her will. And he agreed with it. You see, if, if there's so many different marriages, you know, the thing I hate is a trap that people get into. Somebody, if you just get married and you look at your parents and they got all this stuff, well, they've been trying to collect that stuff for 30 years. And the thing I, I hate, and I see and I see young married couples, they, they pull out that credit card and they start buying all this stuff to fill their house. And they think, well, I'm going to be like mom, mom and dad, have that mom and dad. But it took years for mom and dad to get all that. And they have a mountain of debt that takes them 20 years to pay off. Then you see the woman who's, who's married to a, not, not a non-Christian guy, and she desperately wants to say, share her, 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 her Savior with him and, and, and see her husband instead of winning him with gentleness and humility and, and, God, and goodness and patience. She decides to get him, and she tries to push God. You need to be going to church. You get off that. Why don't you get out of bed and come to church? Church! Rather than waiting on God. I mean, the list could go on and on. Sometimes, sometimes someone doesn't like their job and they panic. I can't stand. Man, I have the worst job in the world. My boss is a jerk. I mean, I'm just sick of it. I'm sick and I'm sick and sick and sick and tired of it. If he tells me one more thing like that, I'm gonna quit. He comes in there and tells you, that's it, I quit. Then he wonders why he can't pay his bills nine months later. Because what he did is he panicked and he decided to do something instead of out of faith and waiting on God. He put it in his own hands and guess what happened? Faced the results and the consequences. But here's, here's what we have to remember. God is rarely early, but he's never late. He is the God. Listen to me. Look at me. He's the God of perfect timing. 
Because <laughs> it's how we are sometimes. You ever try to teach your children about lessons they don't have to have it now? Do you think they're going to die? When you get through with them, they may die. But anyway. No, you got you can't have that because this is you try to. Oh, oh, oh. I explained it to my youngest son Luke the other day about something, and he wanted to have something. And I said, "No, son." Well, it was like he had twenty dollars and he wanted to spend it on something stupid. Okay, I don't remember what it was exactly. Dad, can I spend? I said, "Son, if we're going to go to Baton Rouge and we're going to work on your school project, wouldn't you rather have that twenty dollars when you go to Baton Rouge than when you?" And his, I didn't know this, but his mom had taught him he wanted to do it the day before, and she told him, "I want you to hang on." She said the same thing. And then guess what he did? I would have liked him and said, yes, my father, my Lord, you take care of this house and I will obey you. And I will wait patiently. That was dearest daddy. My children don't speak in King James. They do speak in the book of hesitation sometimes. Wow. You might, you know, I just believe this. Waiting on God is not passive living. I just want to say waiting on God is the most active and faith-filled life that you can have. Even when we are faithless, he's faithful. See, Sarah panicked and she got ahead of God. Sometimes we panic. Come on, moi. We panic. And sometimes because we panic. We get ahead of God. The last point that I want to share with you. We simply don't believe that God will do it for us. He won't do it for us. He may do it for someone else. He may, I mean, that's for them. He, he may do a miracle in, in their life, but not in your life. Because you, I just don't think he's going to do anything like that for me. I'm glad he's done this for them. But I know God would never do that for me. I can understand why Sarah and Abraham would feel the way they did. Because the verse we're going to look at, quite honestly, are about 30 years after the promise. I mean, you get a promise. Think about it. Think about it. You guys, you, you, you're going to have kids. And, and so guess what happens? If you, you know, you got a word from God. God spoke to you. You have kids. You go to the nursery. You start getting that room. You paint the room a different color. Your wife goes out and finds a sale at, at Target. You know what I mean? And they got this really nice crib. Baby, I got it. We got hooked up. We got this thing. I'm going to put little things all around the room. And we don't know what it's going to be. So we're, we're just going to decorate it and make it look nice. And So you imagine? That means six months goes by. Two years go by. Three years, seven years, eight years. God, did you remember what you were going to do for us? It's interesting, but it's interesting that Abraham and Sarah, what they both did. Look in Genesis chapter 17, verse 17. Look what happens. This is, I love this. Here's God comes to them 30 years and he said, I'm going to give you, you know, after 30 years, I'm going to give you a son. 
In verse 17, he goes like this. Then Abraham bowed down to the ground because the Lord came. And, and, and the Lord came, bowed. The, then Abraham bowed down to the ground. But he laughed to himself in disbelief. Let, let me go back up. I don't know why I didn't. He goes, verse 15. Regarding Sarah, your wife, her name is no longer Sarah. I mean, she, she, her name will be Sarah. And I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will, rich, I will bless her richly. And she will become a mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. Then Abraham bowed to the ground. But he laughed to himself in disbelief. How can I become a father at the age of 100? He thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she is 90 years old? In other words, God, this is centuries before Viagra, Lord. I'm an old man. <laughs> Things don't work like they used to if you have not noticed. I have. He's going, are you kidding me? God, I would, you know, I would have believed you a while back, but Lord, I mean, you know, but God, I'm just not seeing it now. Interestingly, look at chapter 18. I love this. Sarah responds kind of the same way. Verse, I, I like this, verse 12. It says this, so, so Sarah was listening to the conversation from the tent. Now, she was, she was hearing. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time. This is verse 10, okay? Sarah was, was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, how can a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure? <laughs> Especially when my master, my husband, is too old. Then I love this. Then the Lord said to Sarah, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say... Can an old woman like me have a baby? I like this. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Let me ask you a question. See, I can't prove this, but let me see. Nothing is impossible with God. How many believe that? I can't prove this, but I believe something happened. When, they, when she heard that and they both believed something clicked, something just shifted in their life, there was a faith that jumped on them. I can't imagine. Can you imagine? All of a sudden, you know, it's like Mama Toot gets pregnant. I mean, you, I mean if, 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 let me tell you something. If Mama Boudreaux got pregnant at 90 years old in Lake Arthur, would, there be, would that make the Jennings news? And you, you hear my Mama and Papa? What happened? He knocked her up. She's 90. What? Oh, Mama? See, the one who was missing teeth, boy, you should have seen her there. She was looking good. She had that scarf. And she goes, Abraham, come see. <laughs> Mesha. <laughs> Is anything too hard for God? No. All things are possible. Because God can do what he said he can do. At that moment, all their unbelief, all their manipulation, I believe, had just vanished. I want to say this. I know a lot of people that want children and can't have them. And they've been trying to conceive. I, I just want to acknowledge that's probably, a, that's, that's a painful thing. 
But see, I also know that there are a lot of people who are giving up in faith. And, and they just say, do you really believe? Do you really think it's, that God can do this? And Can God really do this? You know, and I'm going to say something here right now. Anything is possible. And see, don't you know, well, you go, Pastor Bubba, you know, I believe everything's possible. You don't know my husband. You don't know my wife. You don't know my children. You don't know my job. You don't know my finances. You don't know my situation. You don't know, Pastor Bubba. No, I don't know, but God knows, and nothing's impossible with him. Nothing's impossible. He's a God that can. Let me just pause here for a moment. For those of you that have a marriage, that if you were, you would be really, really, really honest, it's not where you want it to be. Come on. Don't put your hand up. Just put your hand it's not where you want it to be. It's not where you want it to be. There's one piece of common advice woven through this, this series. It's this. This is it. Listen to me. This is the one line you need to remember throughout the whole series. If you invite God into the center of your marriage, that's the whole deal summarized in one sentence. You invite God into your Just invite him in. Don't play that little church game where you, you know, I'm going to check the box off and, you know, and, and I'm going to go home, go on with the rest of my life, Pastor Bubba. And I don't insult God that way. Don't play Christian and invite God in. Invite him in. Say, God, here I am. You know my circumstances. I'm talking just, you know, I'm not just talking grabbing hands and going, let's, let's pray a sweet prayer. God, we've been distracted. We've been, we've been, we were not what, what, where we need to be. And God, I'm just praying you invite the Lord into your marriage. Can I be honest with you? Can I just be, I've been honest enough. I'll just be brutally honest. There's sometimes my wife and I, my beautiful, sweet, hot, smoking babe, wife, and I, sometimes we've not agreed. You might not, you might find that like, oh, Pastor Bubba, you and Miss Tracy, oh, sure. There are times, I'll be honest with you, I'm not leaving my marriage. I've, I've been tempted to kill her. And I promise you, the, the feelings are mutual. That stubborn little Cajun, half Cajun and half whatever Irish thing he's got up in him. I'm going to take, you know, she doesn't say that. But I know that's probably what she thinks sometimes. But you know, can I tell you, the super glue that keeps our marriage, when we feel that way, is we just look at each other. You know, baby, I can't keep being this way. God's dealing with me. Will you forgive me? And see, the, the problem is, you're kind of like Fonzie. Remember how he couldn't, remember he, that word he couldn't say? What was the word Fonzie used to couldn't say? What did he say? Sorry. He couldn't say sorry. Remember he tried to He couldn't say sorry. And can I tell you something? That's what you need to learn to say. I'm sorry. And guess what? I am an idiot. I am a man and I don't get it. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm a woman. And I expect these things. Thanks for all those wonderful amens. You need to buckle your seat this morning because I'm closing. But you got to start watching for God to do what only God can do. When life doesn't turn out as planned, embrace Him. You embrace Him. 
When, when, you know, you don't need all the things you want. You just need him. And he alone is enough. Whatever your faith starts to falter, can I just say something? As easy as that is to do, you hang on. You just hang on. My teacher in my, my, my seventh grade uh, English class at Cathedral Carmel, she used to have that cat that was hanging by one little claw, and it said, hang in there, baby. And she used to always tell me, she said, Bubba, that's supposed to, you always need to look in there, son, because you can't do English, but you need to hang in there, honey. <laughs> Gospel truth. Hang on. Hang in. And see, that's what you got to do. The good news, even if you're faithless right now, Abraham and Sarah were faithless. It's been, you know, I've been faithless. But the last season of your life, people are going to look at you and they can say this. They characterize you. Man, they were, they were being faithful. You see, even throughout the course of Abraham's life, he wasn't faithful. But in his latter years, he said, look at his faith. Without weakening in his faith, this is what the Bible says, he faced the fact, as Hebrews, that his body was good as dead. Whew. Since he was about 100 years old, Sarah's womb was also dead. The difference between dead and dead. Hers was dead. See, facts can change. But hear me out, truth never changes. My circumstance, God, by my circumstance, you don't know, God, oh, ah, oh, oh. The fact is, her body was dead. He was dried up, dead. The truth is, God gave a promise, and truth triumphs facts. Romans, and I'm going to close right here. Romans chapter 4, verse 19, and it says this in Abraham. Abraham's faith did not weaken even though at 100 years of age, he figured his body was good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. You see, the incredible thing is this, is this, is that you don't waver in your faith. You don't waver in your faith. Be strengthened in your faith. If life go, does not go as planned, I love what the scripture says. It says, many are the plans in a man's heart, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. That's what Proverbs 19.21 says. You do not waver in your faith. Even if you do, here's the good news. When you're faithless, he's still faithful. Why embrace it? You know, why embrace anyone or anything else but the faithfulness of God? Don't hold on to some object or something that won't bring fulfillment to you. God is the only one who can bring fulfillment to you. Invite him to be the Lord in every of your life. Especially your covenant union in marriage. And watch as he leads you out of your comfort zone into the place of blessing. And if he brings you to place, he can do it. And you know what? You go, well, it may not be your timing, but he's never late. Amen? So you can't walk in fear. That's what he's saying here. Don't allow your relationship with your husband or your heavenly father to keep you from doing anything out of, based on fear. And when life is going not as planned, don't get ahead of God. 
Don't try to make something or manipulate something. Women, how many of you try to manip- manipulate your husband to do something and it really didn't work? Or men, you tried to do something and make your wife do something and it didn't work. But he said, we simply don't believe, and sometimes we just don't believe that God wants to do it for us. Look at me this morning. I'm done. God loves every person here. And you know, the the sad thing is, many of you come this morning, and you know what's happening? You're thinking, how can I trust God? Instead of walking by faith, you allow what you see, what you feel, and what you think you sense to keep you from where God wants you to be. And then we try to manipulate things. I mean, when I first got saved, right before I got saved, my, my, my whole thing, when I work offshore, if the helicopter went down or the boat sank, I used to have a Bible in the bottom of my duffel bag. And I used to think, and I never read it. But I thought, if the plane goes down, if the, if the ship goes down, or with a helicopter, whatever, I brought my Bible. One day I can look at God and I can manipulate God. But God, I brought my Bible. It's the key, ain't it? No, the key is having a relationship with Jesus. The most important thing that any of us could do in this room today, you need to understand the most important thing in your life is your relationship, your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the most important thing beyond your marriage. Because let me tell you, if you have a personal, intimate relationship with God, you will not walk in fear. You will not walk in doubt. You will not allow yourself to be manipulated. But you can look to God and say, God, I don't know. I didn't know I was going to get thrown this one, but I'm trusting you. You see, maybe you're here this morning. You've never trusted Jesus. I just want to let you know you can trust him. You don't have to walk in fear. You don't have to walk in a place where you go, well, I've got to do this and this and this. In some places you've gone and you're so confused about religion. You've heard this and you've heard that. Let me just say what it has to happen. You have to trust Jesus. The Bible says he's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can know the Father except through him. It's placing your faith, your trust. Don't put your trust in religion. Religion will steer you wrong. I know people that are whacked out. I had some Jehovah Witnesses come to my door the other day. And we try, I tried to talk to them. Finally, I just looked at them. You're all, y'all are whacked. I did. I told them, you're whacked. I wasn't nice, but I, I repented after. But I said, you're whacked. I'm like, you know, my favorite line with Jehovah Witnesses is to come out the door. Hey, I'm Jehovah Witness. Me too. I witness for him all the time. Oh, I hadn't seen you at the place, the meeting house or whatever. But I promise you this. Religion will steer you in the wrong direction. But a personal, intimate relationship with the God of this Bible right here. Wherever my Bible went. I don't know where it went. Give me your Bible, baby. It'll work. Here you go. With the God of this Bible. Yours may be big and maybe fat, have pretty pictures, have side notes and all that. But I remember my grandmother, she said, baby, if you ever want to know the Lord, read the letters in red. Because those are all of Jesus' words. And I remember before, before I came to know the Lord, listen, my grandmother on one side was Jehovah Witness. My other, my other grandmother was charismatic. My dad was, Met, my dad was Baptist. My mother was Methodist. My mama left my, my dad for another man. He was Catholic. I went to public school, Catholic school, Episcopal school, back to public school, back to Catholic school. Got kicked out of that Catholic school, went to another Catholic school. 
So I didn't need religion. I needed help. Because guess what? Religion didn't do it for me. It was Jesus when I met him. He changed my life. He revolutionized me. And I don't have to walk in fear. I can walk in faith. And so can you. Because God loves you. And guess what? Not only does he love you, he's got a plan for you. Even when your plans don't come out the way you thought they would. He's got a plan to love you. He's got a plan to forgive you. He's got a plan to help you. He's got a plan to breathe courage into your life when you feel discouraged. He's got a plan. And you know the thing I love about God? He's got a sense of humor too. What do you mean? Because the very thing he may get you out of, he may send you back to reach. Let's pray all over this room. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Bubba, would you pray for me? I've lived in fear, and I want to trust Jesus today. Will you pray for me, Pastor Bubba? I'm not going to embarrass you, but I need to pray that prayer that I want to trust Jesus with 100% of my whole heart. If that's you this morning, just raise your hand real quick. Put it down, okay? Put it down. Thank you. All over this room. Anyone else? I'm not going to. I'm just going to. Okay. Thank you. Put it down. There's several of you. God bless you. Come on, church. Give them a hand before we pray. Can we just pray all together this morning? Can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I come this morning. You know my faults. You know my fears. You know my failures. You know my issues. You know my sin. This morning I trust that you can forgive me. Come into my heart. Teach me your ways. I want to follow you all the days of my life. I love you, God. Father, I pray for those that we prayed for, prayed with. Pray that you they would just start that journey to love you and honor you. Even as Josh prayed for people this morning. I pray that I just could, I agree with everything, that God, there would be healing in this house. There would be the power of God in this house. And God, that you would just continue to touch people all throughout this place. I pray it in Jesus' name.